Hello, my friends. Welcome back to our little corner of the internet. My name is Chad. This is the Naked Leadership Podcast. And boy, oh boy, do we have a present for you today. Today, I'm joined by Dan and Adrian, as usual. And this week, we have a guest with us, Talia Goldstein from The Three Day Rule. She is the founder, inventor, now acting president of Three Day Rule. It's a high-end executive matchmaking service. And not to ruin any surprises, if you don't already know, but this is how Adrian and his now fiance, Ali, met is through three-day rule. In this conversation, we really focus on how she's been able to keep a consistent brand for such a high-touch, top-shelf service. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My name is Chad. I'm here with Dan and Adrian. Gentlemen, how are you? Hey, great. Hey, we're doing great. Thanks. We also have a guest today, Talia Goldstein. Talia, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. It is great to have you. I want to give you just right at the top of the conversation, just give you a second to introduce yourself and your company. Give it, let us know a little bit about you and, and uh, that'll give us good context for the conversation. Sure. So I'm Talia Goldstein. I started this company 10 years ago. It's called three day rule and it's a matchmaking company. So it's, you know, sort of a VIP layer above the online dating sites. We do everything face-to-face. We really get to know our clients and what they're looking for. And then hopefully we set them up with the love of their life. And we're across the country. So we're on the ground in 12 cities. So this conversation is timely, I think, because we have our very own Adrian Kaler on the call. And uh, given the light, in light of his recent life events, this is a significant conversation, I think. What happened, Adrian? Yes, yes. I, I, was, I was thinking right before Talia started, I should have said, and Talia changed my life. Um, so, uh, yeah, as of but two weeks ago, um, a, uh, Allie and I got engaged uh, via, and we got connected via a three-day rule. We probably wouldn't have ever met. And we, and they connected us and we can tell a bit of that story if we want to later, but they connected us and it was off to the races. Um, you know, your, the organization and the people that you, uh, you know, have with you on your leadership team and these connectors, they see something most people don't see. They've got this like sixth sense about them. And, um, anyway, when Ali and I met, we immediately knew we wanted to be together. Um, there wasn't a lot of questions. Now it's just like, I mean, when, when I, at least in a recent in a recent note I said, I knew when I met you, I knew I loved you. I just didn't know how many ways I would. Oh. And, and, you know, anyway, you're making dreams come true with three day rule. So this is thank what you. I live for. I'm yeah. so, make these so happy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. This is the first time we've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. I'm so stoked for you guys. Yes. Yeah. So, Tell you, I'm, this is so unique. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I can't help but hear you introduce yourself that way and like think of like the movie Hitch or, you know, all, <laughs> all of these movies that have been made that I'm sure are not even where near reality of how this thing looks. But I'd love to know just really quickly, how did you get started in this? How did this, how did Three Day Rule become your thing? Yes. It, I mean, it was an accident, which I think happens a lot with companies. 
where I was matchmaking people for fun. I was actually a television producer. So I was working for E! Entertainment and I was working on the show E! True Hollywood Story. But I would sit in my cubicle and I would give relationship advice to people around and I loved it. And I started pairing some people together from my office and managed to have some weird combinations of people that I paired together that ended up you know, dating, engaged, married. And so I realized I had this talent and decided instead of just being from my cubicle, I would host events so I could bring as many people together and try to match them up at these events. And they started quite small, 20 people, 30 people, but then they picked up. I think somebody would tell 10 friends and they would tell 10 more. And within a few months, we were hosting parties for 600 people at huge hotels around LA. And I would run around and introduce people who ended up dating and I realized that there was something missing in the market. And so what I ended up doing was leaving my job in television and starting this tiny matchmaking company, which I sort of assumed would just be me and a, and a couple other employees, but there was obviously a need for it. And so it continued to grow. And what point did it go from Talia doing everything to then needing a team, needing to bring somebody else or a couple of people on to leverage or, or make better use of time. How did that look? It was interesting. It happened really organically. So what happened was it was me and a business partner. We, we started the company together. She was an attorney and I was a producer. I ran the matchmaking side and she ran the business side. And as I started to match couples successfully, some of the women came back and said, you changed my life. I want to work for you. And that's how we got our first few employees. It was people that I matched successfully and they wanted to leave their corporate jobs to come work with us. And so we began adding a few extra matchmakers to the team. And so we, we were growing pretty organically. And then what ended up happening was we decided that we wanted to scale it a little bit more and we knew we needed the technology to help us do that. So we ended up raising a seed round and we also got accepted to Shark Tank. We had applied. And so my business partner at the time, she went on Shark Tank. We were a completely different company at the time. We didn't get funding, but the night it aired, 10,000 people signed up. Oh so that, <laughs> you know, we really recognized that we had something and from there it sort of took off and <laughs> that's yeah. great. They didn't, it's actually a good thing. They didn't buy part of your company, but you got 10,000 customers. I know. They didn't understand the pain point, but it's so yeah. funny because Allie ended up being a shark years later and obviously she understood. Yep. So how much, when you were starting this thing and you're like, oh my gosh, I got I, I have a, a talent for this and this is a need. How much of leadership was on your mind? Like what you would need to be, how you would need to develop as a leader in order to create something that was the brand that you now have? Well, I got a crash course in leadership when my business partner left the company. So she was supposed to run the business side and be the CEO. And I was running matchmaking, which is what I know all about. And right after I had a baby, she had to go back to corporate America. And so I was put in the CEO position. And I remember over the phone learning HR, accounting, finance, legal, you know, everything I would never want to do. I had to learn and pick up. And so all, all of a sudden I became the leader. And I think in retrospect, 
what really helped is obviously I believed so deeply in the mission and I could get other people to believe in the mission as well, especially because a lot of them had gone through the process and been matched by three day rule. So I think that is still, you know, my leadership style to this day is like inspiring people and having them believe in the mission. And that probably is what helped us, you know, gain some high quality talent. But I didn't have a, t- a ton of leadership skills. You know, I certainly had never been a CEO. Mm-hmm. Well, Adrian mentioned a sixth sense. Dan, what were you going to say? No, no, go ahead. I got to hold it. Okay. Well, Adrian said, you know, do you call them matchers or what? How, what's your matchmakers okay so there's a adrian mentioned like this sixth sense that these matchmakers have and and i assume there's definitely a set of qualifications that you've created how do you start to know i mean certainly believing in the mission is great and being a a prior customer i'm sure is helpful but that's probably not enough at the standard of which you guys do it um so i'm wondering how do you start to Maybe even back then and now, how do you start to evaluate whether somebody's up for the gig? It's such a challenging position to hire for because you actually can't look at a resume and say, this is going to be an amazing matchmaker. At the end of the day, it's all soft skills. And so what we're really looking for is, do you genuinely care about the clients? Is this going to be your life? Are you going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they're matched successfully? And so that's what we're looking for. And, you know, I can tell pretty quickly in an interview if I think this is going to be the right person for the job, but I've had to teach that to my team. And now we're, we're, we're all on the same page for, for the most part, as we go through the interview process, we have the same um, intuition about that. So at the end of the day, though, it's really how much they care and what they're willing to do to make sure their clients get matched successfully. Well, that was exactly the question I was going to ask, Chad. So <laughs> done. <laughs> exactly the question. I like. How do you identify? Like, how do you how do you come up with a matchmaker? It's great. I you've obviously clear. You must have clarified some of the qualities. You know, it, like you say, soft skills, care enough to listen. How they listen. I'd love. Are there any like what? Like what do they listen for? You know. Yes, I mean, active listening is such an important skill with this job. We now we've changed through COVID, we've changed our practices. We used to meet everyone for coffee and now we're doing everything over the phone. And I find myself on these interviews, closing my eyes and listening because that is such an important part in matchmaking. It's probably similar to what you all do. It's reading between the lines and figuring out, okay, I know you're saying this is what you want, but that's actually not what you need. And how do I translate what they're saying to who their perfect match could be? So it's active listening. And, you know, that intuition is so important. So most of the people that we hire don't have prior matchmaking experience, but they were recruiters or maybe they were in sales. They have those people skills that are required. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. The, um, I've, I've gotten to meet a lot of your amazing yeah. matchmakers. Um, you know, as Talia and I got to know each other and she and Allie know each other really well. And, as, and, um, and by the way, just maybe a minute on how that all happened on our side, Talia came on raising the bar when, when Michael and Allie were uh, running it and they interviewed her and Allie had just gotten out of a relationship and disgruntled and kind of the, you know, 
despairing moment of maybe it won't ever happen, blah, 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 blah. And then met Talia and, and then Talia was the hope, you know, like, oh, it can get better. Just follow me. And anyway, that's how that all the worked Oracle. Out. Choose the Oracle. The Oracle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Just follow. Um, so, and then as, and then as we got to know each other and Talia got to know what I do and what we do and, and our work, um, you know, I've gotten to, to get to know a lot of the men that come through the process and get to work with some select men, which has been really fun and got to know the matchmakers on that process. Um, you know, but you can hear, uh, cause it is, it's not surprising, you know, nobody has like matchmaking on their resume, right? Very few people do. Uh, cause it's, uh, it's, a, I, I would imagine at scale now is like, this, there are most more matchmakers in the world now than there ever have been. Would that be true? I'm sure that's true. Yeah. It's- business yeah and are you are you guys are you guys the, the fastest growing matchmaking service in america it's a good question i don't know the answer but probably there are a handful of larger matchmaking companies usually they're mom and pop matchmakers so yeah there are a few companies that are at scale the way we are yeah yeah what's well, interesting i mean even even this weekend ali and i were away for her birthday and the the woman, the husband and wife run this ranch and, you know, we're there and we're newly engaged. So that comes up a lot. And so people always ask, how'd you meet? And I, we met through a matchmaking service. And this woman that runs the ranch, co-runs the ranch, went, told me a very long story about how she's a little matchmaker, you know, and she was in and that, then, you know, she was very, she was very amused um, by all that. But, you know, it sounds like a great hobby, but what you've done is, and I've seen it, I've seen really the quality and the, um, how do I want, like, there's, there's a, what's the word? Uh, there's really a movement. I can't find the, quite the right word, but there's a direction and there's a proactivity, uh, cause you're dealing with, you're dealing with a very sensitive side of people's lives and you're dealing with people that are very confident in many domains in life. And this one less confident. And so it's a very interesting dynamic where it's like you're actually dealing with a quote unquote powerful person, but you're, you're, they're holding kryptonite simultaneously or whatever the analogy would be. You know, it's like you're handling the sensitive side of this non quote unquote non-sensitive person. The person doesn't usually show that side of themselves. So it's a very interesting dance. Yes. You know, intuitively trained. I mean, there's intuition and there's like, there's art and science. I'd love to hear your thought about how you, integrate both the art and science of how to, how to help somebody get clear and honest and know what they want and also help them make the right decisions they need to make for this to work. I mean, I'd love to hear you talk about how to, you know. Yes. And want your take as well. You're, since you're working with some of these VIP clients, but a lot of the people who do come to us, they're at the top of their field and they've been able to control most things in their life, you know, at at least in terms of their career, they want something, they're going to make sure it happens. And so when they come to us, sometimes it's hard for them to let go of control and really trust the process and trust us. They think they know exactly what they need. They want someone exactly like them. And so part of the journey with us is to get them to let go and trust us as the experts. And maybe we're going to put someone in front of them that isn't exactly what they're looking for, but ultimately they end up marrying. So that's such a huge part is in the beginning stages for them to you know, for them to let go and not have control to really trust us. And 
we go through a lot of exercises with them, mostly to figure out what are their core values and what are the non-negotiables, you know, especially Mm -hmm. women come to us with a list of 75 things they're looking for. They've accumulated over time and our job is to help them really narrow that list down to what is going to make a difference in 20 years. What is that? What would you say that is? That makes, what, are there some, maybe there's different for each person. Or are there some con- constants that you look for that would make a relationship rewarding over 20 years? Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the most common ones for women, they, they'll ask for someone financially stable. A lot of times they're working with really successful women. They don't need someone who's as successful as them, but they don't necessarily want to take care of them. So they'll often ask for financially stable, you know, whether or not they want kids or don't want kids, that's important. Sometimes religion ends up being important, but then their core values are different. Some people want you know, someone really generous or really very adventurous. And so that the list is nuanced, but you know, it's really up to them to decide what are their top three must-haves and three deal breakers? And, and why three-day rule? What is the 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 message behind that or the principle? <laughs> it's from the movie Swingers. It was this movie with Vince Vaughn. Oh, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> he was the best. It was this old stupid rule where guys used to wait three days to call a girl after getting her phone number. So he didn't see it. I was wondering if that was it. I swear, I because I, I love him. I thought, it was, I wonder, is that the same thing? Yeah, we started off originally just as a blog. And anyways, the name stuck. Women don't love it, but men do. And we've always had more women than men. So we've kept okay. it. <laughs> It's great. Is that. It, is, that a, is that good advice, Talia? The three-day rule? No. Do not follow the three-day rule. <laughs> not follow the 24-hour rule. There really so, are no rules. Yeah. So you no. mentioned, you mentioned um, companies doing it to this scale or organizations doing it to this scale. Could you help us understand what is the scale? What's the scale you're operating at? Sure. We have about 50 full-time matchmakers across the country. And we're in 12 cities and growing. And part of the reason why we were able to scale is we raised funds. So about a year after I started the company, I approached some of the larger dating sites and I explained to them basically that we have something that they don't have. We have this VIP layer and long story short, match.com ended up investing in three day rule. And so that helped us originally scale there are a lot of lessons that happened during that time, but um, you know, we, we don't really partner with them at this point, but it did give us the boost to start adding additional cities. Hmm. What's, what's one lesson that sticks out to you in that process of investors? We have so many clients and listeners that are raising money or thinking about bringing on financial silent partners, venture capitalists, that kind of stuff. I love hearing the experience of people like you that, that have gone through some of that and have learned different things. Mm-hmm. Sure. So a couple of things with match, I would say a lesson is you don't have to be huge to get investment, you know, even from a strategic partner, I had taken about 40 clients when I approached match. So it was, I was a small operation, but I think they could sense the passion and we had some interesting ideas around facial recognition and that I think they were intrigued by. And so ultimately they ended up, funding us. So you don't have to wait until you're this massive company to approach some of those larger operations. Um, But one, you know, sort of pitfall through that experience is that we really 
hyper-focused on match and getting clients from match to three-day rule. And what we neglected was how do we get clients outside of match? And so when we worked with them for about a year and after the year, the partnership wasn't working quite as we had hoped. And it was at that time where we really had to figure out, well, how do we get clients outside of match? Is this really feasible? And so ultimately it was a blessing to not move forward with them because we had to figure out how to run the business without them. You probably were able to get the demo you wanted when you were getting them on your own rather than through match, I would assume. Right. Exactly. That ended up being the case. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, all right. So you have 50 full-time matchmakers out there across the country dealing with your clients, matchmaking, interviewing them, practicing all of these soft skills that you talked about, which is, I mean, Maybe not, but I'm assuming there's there's a lot more nuance in training that and and doing quality control on that than there is like an engineer, right? I mean, it's pretty easy to look at an engineer's work and know if they're if they're doing it correctly, uh, do some math problems and check the work and you know all that kind of stuff. I am so interested to know how, and I don't know what term you use for it, but the best clumsy term I can come up with is like quality control or like uh, consistency of product. How, how are you creating and everybody I've ever heard mention the name three day rule. There is just such respect for the brand. Yeah. And, and just like um, that, you know what you're getting. And yeah, I'm so curious. What's that, Dan? It's top shelf. Every, yep. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Yeah. Oh, nice. So yeah, part of it is technology is building. We've been building out this tech that we can communicate with each other and see what's happening at all times with the client. So, you know, one interesting thing that we do after we set up a client is we get post-date feedback. What did, you know, each person on the date say about the date? And we have structured data and unstructured data. And so we're able to really clearly see what is happening on the dates and just a lot of technology that we built to communicate with each other so we can really know what's going on all the time. And then I think another thing just from the top down, this is certainly a strength and also a weakness of mine. I am too in the weeds. I know everything that's happening all the time, at least with the people <laughs> that I've signed and have you know brought into three day rule. I, Every day I see what is happening. Have they gone on a date? Who's the matchmaker interviewing for them? I send ideas to the, to the matchmakers. So I've had people over the years <laughs> tell me that I'm too in the weeds, but I think actually it has helped in terms of the quality that everyone knows that's the most important part. It's making sure the clients are happy and that we're giving high, a high quality experience. And so we're really hyper-focused on that. And we have managers that, that really take care of it. I'm just, I can't help myself. Part of it is because I love it so much, but we, we have, you know, we do matchmaker training courses once a month. Everyone has a mentor. We're a team that's really collaborative. We really are here to help each other. So the matchmakers are calling each other all the time for tips and tricks. And that's just the culture that we created is we're always trying to help each other become better matchmakers. And is there a feedback loop to the client about what worked, what didn't work and how they can improve it? I, I, I thought I heard Adrian talk about there's coaches that you work with. So each client gets a matchmaker. They get a separate person who's their dating strategist. 
We do a photo shoot with you, with them, and they also get styling. So it's a really holistic approach. But I think, you know, probably the most valuable part of the service is the feedback that you get after the dates. Because in the real world, you go on dates, you have no idea how you're coming across. And sometimes you're getting ghosted and you don't know why. Well, we know exactly why. We know what's happening on the date. And it's so interesting to see because sometimes people are on two different dates. You know, you can't even believe it was the same dinner, um, but they have two different experiences. So we're really able to help our clients become better daters with this feedback. Yeah. I mean, as, as a person that walked through the process on my side of it, you know, I remember that. I remember because Allie was the second date I went on and then that was over. I was done. The, uh, but the first day, I mean, I knew right away that it wasn't uh, when, when we sat down together, it was just, the, you know, a disconnection from a chemistry perspective. Um, but great gal, you know, sweet, loving and all that. And I remember the follow-up conversation with the matchmaker about her and where she just wanted to know, Hey, what was it like? And, you know, what, you know, and to talk through it, I took it as a level of like care and concern and like help because, uh, you know, I mean, we all, this is, it's a, finding love, generating love, finding a partnership, generating a partnership, all that is a, is a pretty important game for most people. So why not take a student approach to it? You know, which I think was what you guys at least offer. If people take it that way or are willing to be in the conversation that way, that's up to them. But hey, there's always ways to, and I mean, I know for me, there's like uh, always lots of ways for me to improve how I am with Allie um, if, I, if I want, you know, when I'm available to it. So anyway, I think, I think that part's really great as I've, you know, as I was a part of the process as well. What are you finding in your coaching? Like any common themes? And because you're working with some, you know, people who are really at the top of their field. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, thematically, and I never quite, it's always an, like, uh, whenever I jump on these three day real conversations and I do, I don't know, two or three, probably a week. Um, and especially if it's my, my first one with them, I never quite know how the call is going to go. Um, which is pretty fun. Um, just because in this domain, when we're, when I'm talking with a business client, I know where to take the conversation. I can, you know, um, it's really clean and clear, but with this, we don't know. I never quite know. So I jump on and usually do a quick couple minutes on me and a little bit of my story that builds some credibility, especially now that I'm engaged. It's what everybody that's on 3D rule wants to be. And so that look, it worked. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, and so then we jump in the convo and, uh, where I just usually just say, tell me what got you here. Why did you decide to sign up for three day rule and what, and, and what you really want to get out of it. And, uh, that'll tell me really where they're coming from. Cause some of them tell me like a one minute version of that story. Some of them tell me a 25 minute version of that story, you know, and then the table set. Now we got combo, you know, cause now I can tell how, articulate they are, how thoughtful they are about what they're doing and what they're up to. The one minute people, you know, they, they, they're not thinking very much about it, which that type of investment will get that type of reward. You know, a lot of, so to answer your question, you know, a lot of, I think when people think about dating, especially in this day and age, they, 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 they approach it from a consumeristic standpoint, like they're shopping. Yep. Um, especially like the online 
it's just like, like they're on Amazon. Like just what do I like? No, yes, no, yes, no, no, yes. And it's really, what do I like? What do I want? Um, and whatever it's built that way. And that's why it's a, it's dopamine machine. And that's why, you know, the world's on it. Um, they can be in this conversation just like that though. Cause I'll usually ask them what they're looking for in their next relationship. I ask it this way on, on purpose. What are you looking for in your next relationship? And they'll tell me their laundry list of what the girl should be like. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, that's interesting. Now that's an answer to a question, just not mine. So mine was, what do you want in your next relationship? Not what's your shopping list of what you think she needs to be like for you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, they'll, and for, for some, they get defensive to that. For some, they're like, holy cow. I've never thought about what do I want in the next relationship? And usually by the end of the first call, I'll say, well, you know, if you want to talk again, great. But between now and then, I want you to get clear about what it's going to take from you to get what you say you want in that next relationship. Like how would you need to show up, which most of them also hadn't done much thinking about, yeah. about how they're going to be in the combo, you know, like, cause so anyway, themes, I see those themes, they come in from a transactional perspective. They come in thinking they know what they want. They come in pretty, I don't know, arrogantly, or they come in pretty, pretty uh, narrow minded, I would say. Um, but it's not out of, it's not out of confidence. It's just a domain that they usually don't talk about. Or if they talk about it, they talk about it broishly, not honestly, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about the other person and why, it didn't, why history didn't work out was about the girl, about the other, instead of what did I do to create that? You know, because so if I'm talking to somebody that got divorced, I always, always ask, how long ago was the divorce? And I'll typically say it something kind of bluntly and I'll say, well, what'd you do to mess it up? And I usually say a different word, but what'd you do to mess it up, man? And just to see how they react to that. Cause if they, if they have done some thinking about what didn't work, then I know that they're ready. Like, okay, good. Like I've done some math on that. I've owned my part. I won't recreate that next, or I won't use the next girl to process my old one, you know, like, which we naturally can do. So anyway, everybody's on a different place, but those are some of the themes that show up. Um, and some guys really love thinking about this stuff and they're like, wow, super stoked. Some of them, you know, want to use me and say, well, what are the top three tips you've got for it? And I'm like, well, I can give you my top three tips, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't matter. I could, sure. I could tell you 20 of them, but it doesn't really matter. It's like, what are you really up? What's your appetite? What are you hungry for? That's what matters. And if we're here to like craft your appetite, then you'll go find out what you need. And anyway, so those are some of the, some of the themes. I don't know if that's helpful or not for, for your question, Talia. Yeah, it's helpful. And it just goes along with what so many singles are asking for now is a growth mindset. It's yeah. so important to so many people now that they're learning and growing and self-aware. And it's a new theme, I would say, over the last year or two. So it's so yeah. important for people to actually do that to, to be in a healthy relationship. Yeah, there's, um, I forget what the book is, but some new book about marriage. And it's good. I, I think how about not to die alone. Say what? Is it how not to die alone? It might've been. It might be that book. No, I'm going to read that. That sounds great. That's, That's a good title. title. Actually, it, I haven't read it, but we had the speaker come speak with our team. And I, a lot of what she said really resonated. That's great. Well, and this book that I'm talking about, which might be that book, I heard the author on a podcast. Um, and he was saying about how, uh, you know, as the idea of marriage evolves over time and culture, 
And it's really uh, shifted a lot in the last 20 years, more than ever before. It was pretty much the same throughout time until like the fifties or sixties or something. And then it really shifted a lot. And now it's in like a, the, the different domain, which I hear all the time is who do I partner with that helps me self-actualize is really the question. Like who do I become more with, you know, it used to be survival, used to be partnership, used to be offspring, used to be lots of other things of why we got married or predictability or stability or blah, 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 expectations. Now it's who makes me more me or who, I mean, I think if you, if it's altruistic, who can I help become? And like, that's a very, very different conversation than how do I get my needs met? Right. It's so true. And over the last year, as everyone's been in lockdown, are yeah. noticing that the lists are changing because, you know, do you really need someone six feet tall or do you need someone who's going to be, you know, making you laugh and loyal and supportive and a great quarantine partner. And so I think people are really reassessing <laughs> what they're looking for yeah. based on what we just went through. Yeah. How to handle conflict. Could I be locked in a house with this person for 12 months? <laughs> exactly. That's a, such a good question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of couples discovered that question over this last year. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about not knowing what you don't know, right? Yes. right. I know so, it, we used to be, we were so distracted all the time. So you weren't with your partner very much. We were filling our calendars and traveling and, and so times have changed, which I think is a positive coming out of this. Yeah. Talia, as you think about the the way that you guys have scaled and having this many matchmakers now and that journey there, are there things that you that stick out to you that were um, challenges to maintaining the reputation, maintaining the brand and the product, um, but also going after? I mean, you guys really are going after it. That's that's so many matchmakers and so many moving parts. Are there um, as a leader, as the owner, are there challenges that you've identified in that process that you learned from? Mm -hmm. Well, definitely. I think hiring is so important to have everyone really on that mission. And for us, it's just more than a job. So the people who are clocking in and clocking out and it's just a job, like ultimately end up not being the right fit because either they burn out or so we really need somebody where it's more of a lifestyle and it doesn't mean they have to work crazy hours, but it's just a different mindset. So I think now we've, figured that out and our team is so incredible and it just feels really right but we had some bumps along the way one thing that you know I don't know how I would change it but just something that I noticed is we were trying to grow really quickly and so we were chasing growth versus profitability and so now we're profitable but I think if I were to go back I would I would have grown slower I would have gone to profitability earlier and grown slower. Instead, we were chasing growth. So we were launching a city every two months. We were raising money. We raised money from Match, and then we raised another round, like a venture round. And so we just were moving really quickly. And we're in a really good place now, but there were, it was felt like a roller coaster. And on top of it, you know, I have the unfortunate timing of fundraising pregnant twice. I had to do, had to do that. And so that was pretty stressful to, to go through that. And that's why I think in retrospect, I would have rather grown slower than profitable and not reliant on outside funding. 
that's interesting. What, what do you think would have been the opportunity with a different pace? I think we would have ended up where we're at. We just, I, I think, you know, we would have been better off just launching a city, using the profits, launching a new city versus the way that we did. But, you know, we learned so much through that process. And would you, would you say it was a quality of life issue for you more than like, like you could arrive the same way at the same place, but just with a better quality of the journey in the journey there? I think so. I think it, part of the issue is that I had to fundraise, you know, while pregnant, which We've come a long way, you know, it's been five plus years at this point where I went through that. But my experience was that people kept telling me, I'm really interested in the company, have the baby and then let's talk after. But I didn't have the luxury of waiting and waiting and waiting and talking after I really needed to close the round. So the people who gave me money knew me before and knew what we could do. And, the, and then what ultimately ended up happening is I had the baby, I strapped on this contraption that they give you in the hospital. And I walked out and I closed the rest of the funding right after I had a, a, my child and it ultimately worked out, but that level of stress I yeah. think it was a lot. Yeah. I are do think we've made progress and I, you know, now we have more women that are fundraising while pregnant and, and they are able to do it. But at the time I was getting a lot of pushback. Yeah. Well, you, uh, mm. I mean, you said something very powerful there. The, entrepreneurs I think have to face a lot of times is just the prices you pay in order to have your dream come about. And, and I mean, it takes character to do what you did. Mm -hmm. okay. A lot of resilience going on here. <laughs> I'm telling you, I can, I'm just imagining I've been married I've been with my wife 45 years and we've been through quite a bit, but I'm just thinking about, and I've raised a lot of money and I can imagine, you know, especially, you know, just all the different investor issues and everything that goes on and the presentations and, uh, and the qualifications. And of course you're not feeling well physically and, oh man. Yeah. It would, and I would talk to these investors and I would say, okay, I'm having a baby on Tuesday. Why don't we talk on Wednesday? That's amazing. Well, you know, I, I hear this and then I connect it back to what were your, like at least two things you brought up twice about your core questions you ask yourself um, whenever you bring on, bring people on, which is like, I think we all naturally look for the things that we're most proud of. We want to see in others because those are the core values. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, even you, you've said, you said it twice where do they care like people that you bring on, do they care? And then are they willing to sacrifice on behalf of the client? Mm -hmm. Like, are they willing to do whatever it takes, which is that your story, right? Like you care about the company and that, that level of sacrifice is, you know, most people, the three of us dudes will never understand what it's like to sacrifice like that. Um, but you've lived it. Right. And, and that, that becomes iconic inside the company. And I know people, um, I mean, inside the company, love you and follow you loyal, uh, you know, so much loyalty to you and to the brand and to the vision for the company. I mean, they just really, they, they bleed three day rule. So, I mean, you've done, you are doing such an amazing job. Thank you. And I always say, it's only worth it if it's fun. You know, I do it because I love it. I wouldn't have kept going yeah. full time if I didn't love what I was doing, which is yeah. as people are thinking about starting businesses, it's so important. Is it something that you're worth, you know, that's worth going on that roller coaster? And for me, it, yeah. it always was. Yeah. So, our, oh yeah, go ahead, Dan. No, it's just inspirational to hear somebody 
Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I, I do have a sense of just from having children and grandchildren, uh, just the intensity of that and the character it takes to keep standing. It's amazing. So, Thank yeah. You. Uh, I, the, the, as far as we can tell, the largest portion of our audience is our leaders, executives, entrepreneurs, founders. And um, I can only assume that there's so many that are, are trying to find somebody trying to find a partner. Um, but it feels like it, it, it there's this, especially as an entrepreneur or a founder or a, or an executive, I think sometimes it can feel like one or the other, <laughs> or like one has to suffer if the other is going to flourish. Um, and I'm just wondering if you have, like, where do you start with somebody that, that worries that they're going to die alone, which is such a great book title. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to have my business, if I'm going to push, if I'm going to get the promotion, all of that kind of stuff, then I need to be alone. How would you start the conversation with somebody like that? Yeah. So definitely a lot of people are linear in that way where they think, okay, I just need to hit this next milestone. I need to raise the next round of funding. I need to do this and then I'll find a partner. But we can multitask and do both things at the same time. And often when you're in a relationship, it ultimately helps your business, you know, more than if you weren't. So we understand that people are really busy and you don't have to do it on your own. You know, the average online dater spends 12 hours a week online. So if you are running a business, you don't really have the time to do dating yourself. And that's why people hire matchmakers. It's essentially outsourcing your love life. So you can make it happen. It might be hiring some help, you know, the way that you would do with your business. But, you know, there is hope. There's a a lid for every pot. And we've seen so much success with successful people. Um, A lot of times they're looking for something a little different than they need. You know, it's, you know, they're looking, like sometimes people are really, here, I'll say it this way. Sometimes there's in a relationship, one rock and one star and oftentimes stars are looking for stars and it doesn't always quite fit together and so working with the matchmaker just sort of helps you figure out what who's the type of person that will ultimately be the best fit for you but that's really our demo our demo is successful busy professionals so we're very comfortable searching for people who are entrepreneurs celebrities etc so you, I've heard you mention this a couple of times and, the, and then that analogy with the rock and the star, but you find that lots of people are going out trying to find somebody that's like them rather than something, someone that can compliment them. Right. You know, I see it a lot of times with successful women. They'll say, I've achieved all of this. I've worked so hard to get to this point. I make this amount of money. I want someone that makes more money than me, or I deserve someone who makes at least what I make or more. Well, is that really the problem? Is that really what you're missing in your life is money? I don't, that probably isn't actually what's missing. You know, there's other parts of your life that, you know, I think a partner can compliment. So we make these assumptions about what we need. And a lot of times we're looking for a mirror version of ourselves when that's actually not what's going to make you happy at the end of the day. Yeah. So much of this conversation Dan and Adrian is, is just keeps reminding me of the episode we did recently around self-leadership. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, it's just like understanding how you show up, where you lead yourself and, and how you lead yourself in a way, Adrian, when you were talking about the conversation with these gentlemen that are using three day rule and not yet to the point of where they're thinking about 
like what they want to, to create in a relationship rather than what they want to get out of it or what somebody can give them. And, um, so anybody listening to this episode, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that one. If, if this kind of concept is intriguing a couple episodes back, there's, we did one about self-leadership and there's really some great stuff in there. Um, Talia, this has been awesome. Uh, this has been informative and such a delight. You're, you've been generous with us. Um, I'd love to point people in your direction. Adrian, did you have something? I, I did just because I'm curious um, before we, before we wrap up. So, yeah. So you're at, you're right now in 12, 12 cities, 500 full-time, just matchmakers. You've got other, other people as well, but just matchmakers. 50. Um, 50. 50. Yeah. Yeah. 50. On our way, on our way to 500. <laughs> well on our way. That, that's what I was going to be. That's what I am curious about, about. And, and I got a question about facial recognition software. If you ever did anything about I, that, sure. you did. Uh, I'm curious about the future, like for where you're headed. Both. I mean, I'd love to hear both answers. One is for the company itself like what trajectory you're aiming the company at. And then even just for yourself, because now you've done it, you know, it's working and love to hear about for you, where you want to be headed in the future. Mm-hmm. So for the company, it's maintaining the quality while growing. So we are growing, you know, slowly we're adding a city you know, every few months, maybe every six months, but it's really important that our matchmakers still handle just a small number of clients. So I like that approach. It feels good. In terms of, you know, me personally, I sold the company in 2019. So we have somebody who stepped in as CEO and now I'm back to doing what I love to do. And so it's sort of navigating my new role. I'm president and I love it because I get to be back meeting singles. So just sort of navigating this, this new um, position and you know, all that's to come, but just, I'm still really involved in the matchmaking and, and the, you know, culture and all of that, but it is a new position for me that I'm getting adjusted to. Yeah. So you're back closer to the front lines now. Yes. I'm back to doing really what I love to do. I'm so happy. You know, the last couple of years I've, you know, that my level of stress has dropped and I'm back to doing what I really love to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I, just because of our story and such, people reach out to us all the time, Ali and I. And I love connecting people from my world to you because I know you're going to handle. I mean, when you said earlier, like you know, you're in the weeds. Well, this is a this is a, a high touch industry. Um, so I don't know if in the weeds, but you're like you're walking with in the process because that's what usually what's needed, especially with the types of people that you love working with. So it makes sense to me. Well, that's good. You, you see yourself doing at least doing this in the foreseeable future. Sounds like. I think so. I really yeah, love awesome. it. I always say I'll be an 80 year old matchmaker. <laughs> that's great. That's really great. That's cool. I'm um, so. In- oh, go ahead. No, I was curious about what are the, what are the cities that are about to come online? Uh, Dallas, Scottsdale, cool. and then Seattle, Miami. We, some major metros that we really should be in. Yeah, that's cool. Those are up next. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time. 
um, for being generous and, and walking us through your journey. And I think what, I think what you've built is incredible. I'm, I'm personally thankful for it because I get to see Adrian go through it and it brought Allie into our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been so great to witness. Um, and then also hearing Adrian's perspective, uh, and experience talking to some of these men that are, that are taking a hold of their love life and creating partnerships and that kind of stuff is really, really, uh, fascinating and, and inspiring to me. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on here with us. You're so welcome. It was such a pleasure. I'm glad I got to finally meet you all. And tell us, tell you, you know, the, uh, I interrupted the question earlier. If people want to come and get a taste of the services, yes. is it just 3dayrule.com or tell? Yes. It's 3dayrule.com spelled out T-H-R-E-E-D-A-Y. Uh, I didn't pay the GoDaddy subscription on the number three. I forgot to. So we lost the <laughs> domain. <laughs> Lessons. <laughs> so you have to spell it out or you'll get an 80s cover band. And anyone can sign up for free to just be in our database or you can move forward as a client. I love that. Are you active on social media? Is there Are there places that people can get more Talia? Yes. I'm on Instagram, Talia Golds. G-O-L-D-S and everywhere else at three day rule. Awesome. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Have a great day. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. and We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. Podcast.